Good morning, it's Mark Steiner, right here on the Mark Steiner Show and Soundbites on 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. Soundbites is our weekly look at our food system, food, and the environment. And today on the program, we listen back to a panel I moderated at Busboys and Poets in Hyattsville. It was part of their Focus and Film series, sponsored by Fair Farms and Crossroads Community Food Network. They screened the film In Defense of Food by Michael Pollan. And while the film looks at the most basic questions about what should I eat and how we get our nutrients... The panel used this film to begin to discuss what was going on in Prince George's County, especially with their school systems. How do you get food from the Prince George's food system to come from local sourcing, whatever that means and how you define local sourcing? In Prince George's County, only six schools participated in the farm-to-school program, which could be everything from eating local food to visiting with farmers to learning about food to growing your own garden at the school. So they used the film as a way to discuss what's happening in their school system and in their county to develop a better system of healthy eating. Here's a clip from the film to set it all up. I'm Michael Pollan. I've been writing about the food system for a very long time, but what I kept hearing from readers was, yeah, 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 you've told me where the food comes from and how the animals live and everything, but what I really want to know is what should I eat? We make over 200 decisions about food a day. And the majority of these decisions are basically unconscious to us. The food industry has gotten incredibly good at manipulating the properties of food. So it has just the right texture, just the right color, just the right smell. But we've been paying a heavy price. Four of the top ten things that will kill you are chronic diseases linked to diet. We're dealing with a crisis that's at an emergency level. Their lives are at stake. I think all of our lives are at stake. We're looking for answers. We're looking for dietary salvation. So I studied the science. From Tanzania to Peru. From Paris to the Bronx. Let's walk our way through this. And what I discovered will surprise you. You don't have to be a scientist to know how to eat. It was just like a light had gone off. It's very rare in our lives where the answer to a complicated question is so simple. But when it comes to eating, it is. Joining us to talk about the film and what's happening in Prince George's County were Betsy Nicholas, Executive Director of Fair Farms, Christy Balch, Executive Director of Crossroads Community Food Network, the Honorable Daniel Glaros of the Prince George's County Council, the Honorable Shani Warner of the Hyattsville City Council, Ella Rose Preston, Hyattsville Farms Market Manager in the city of Hyattsville, Sarah Booker, the Maryland State Department of Education, Office of School Nutrition, Margaret Morgan Hubbard of Echo City Farms, and Sydney Daigle of Prince George's County Food Equity Council. So, I mean, I just want to start with a question for everybody here and start with the food people, <laughs> which is, you know, when we see a film like this, it makes me kind of, the first question that came to my head watching this again was, um, so what do we do? What does that film say to us here in Prince George's County and the D.C. suburbs? And how does it relate to who we are in this place? And I'm curious, you run that market, so let me start with you, Ella Rose. So I think in this case, an answer to what we do is continue to associate and congregate in settings like this to continue to support our local food economy, our farmers markets, our local farms, um, food equity council organizations, um, and then the agencies and organizations that help with policy, with healthy eating and active living throughout the county. So it, you know, it's trending. There's a lot of talk about it. It's easier now to get involved in different organizations that support getting us in a healthier stance. And it just, it just says that real, real quick, uh, Sydney, what is a food equity council? So we're a local independent food policy council for Prince George's County, Maryland. We have 20 members who really range in representation from across the food system, um, from residents who just kind of care about where their food comes from, to farmers like Margaret Morgan Hubbard over here, uh, to food retailers like Giant Food, universities, county agencies, community orgs, uh, and many more. And we're working to change the food system, primarily through policy change. Margaret? So I'm, I'm the kind of person who wants to make the change I believe in and see it in the world today and help other people see it. 
So when I um, get overwhelmed about problems, I figure out what can I do about it, and I started Eco City Farms. Eco Which City, is? Eco City Farms is a nonprofit farm in Prince George's County. It is walking distance from here. It's the first urban farm in this area. And um, I and a number of people, really creative people, started this farm in an area that is a food desert. And um, we, we tried to show that all people have a right to healthy food, and particularly people who don't generally have access to it, who can't buy it in stores, who don't see it in their front or backyards. And so the purpose of EcoCity Farms is both to grow the food, to try to figure out how to change the food system through growing that food and selling it. We not only sell it at the Riverdale Farmers Market and at Crossroads Farmers Market, but we started our own farmers market in the port towns that is very much a food desert. And we are working to try to train people and to develop a food system that does not have the kind of problems that we talked about in this film. So, that doesn't deserve applause, yeah. So, uh, I, 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 but, but I, what I really want to get into is how we begin to influence and change the behavior and what is happening in our world around us now. Um, you know, we have, we saw what they were doing in schools in this film. I think what we really should explore here is how we affect that change and what that means even uh, to affect that kind of change in Maryland and here in Prince George's County. Because um, that's the critical piece. And how do we begin to move that way? Because it's a hard thing to move a large ship around. It's been doing things one way for a long time. So and you can't like beat people out of their tater tots into the carrots. So how do we do that, right? So Sherry, would you just start just talk a little bit about the kind of stuff that you started here? All right, can we start there? Here. All right, so partly I, I feel like a hypocrite standing up here. So I just came back from Ocean City and I had a bucket of Fisher's popcorn beside me and I was cramming that into my mouth and on my way. I'm the type of person who reads Michael Pollan books, who believes in the, the theory and philosophy, and yet my personal life, <laughs> I don't reflect uh, what I know to be true. But I think the lesson is you don't need everyone to be on board. There are so many different benefits to this. And I got my start in public office because I tried to bring a community garden to Hyattsville. And there was a lot of opposition to that on the council for political reasons. It was wildly popular uh, among the residents. Um, and I wasn't someone, you know, it wasn't about the health aspects, although I recognized those, but it was about the, the possibility of community building. Um, and that was, that was the pitch to me uh, and why I supported it. And so, um, you know, the other thing is that it's very important on the local level to get people who are friendly uh, so while I've been on the council, uh, Ella Rose will talk a lot more about all the initiatives we have going on. Uh, but we have a health weekend in the fall. Um, I've, I've helped to fight back uh, opposition that some residents have had to, to neighbors having bees in their backyards. Um, we, the last thing we did at the end of my first term uh, was to re-sign uh, the MOU with the community garden. And I will say that for all the opposition that there was, you know, enough so that I just had to go to meeting after meeting after meeting. Um, <laughs> about two years later, the garden was wildly successful. There was a, a big waiting list for it. Um, and the newest crop of council members all had their official pictures taken in front of the community garden. So, since she called your name out, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> follow up with what Sherry was saying. Um, so yes, there's a lot going on here and a lot of ways for us to affect change. I would say education is very important and policy is very important. And just on a, a local government level, um, getting involved in organizations such as the HEAL Initiative, which focuses on healthy eating and active living for the community and its workforce, 
are very important. So for instance, in Hyattsville, we have the community garden. Uh, we just installed a food forest that will provide food for anyone that's walking by and chooses to take. Uh, we also have... Um, Anybody can just walk up and take what they want? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where is this? <laughs> <laughs> right around the corner, as I understand. Um, so yeah, there's the community garden, there's the food forest, there's our farm, farmer's market, which is on Tuesdays. Um, actually, the oldest farmer's market in Prince George's County. It's small, the atmosphere is wonderful, and we just have a lot of amazing vendors and amazing shoppers that come in from all walks of life, and it really serves um, an area in Hyattsville where a lot of people don't have access to healthy, nutritious food at an affordable price. And so that's one thing I think that we're really proud of in this area is providing that platform, that space, that gathering for people to get those healthy items um, for, their, for their dinner tables. Low-income folks, people who aren't low-income, those who may be undocumented and don't have access to federal assistance, it's really important. And so when we see movies like we just did, it, it, it really shines a light on the importance of the role that all of us play in the food system, whether it is helping with initiatives and policy, whether it is supporting your local farmer's market, supporting your local farm, um, whether it is coming to gatherings like this, um, whether it is giving education, providing education, uh, speaking if you're credentialed about the effects of certain food types. Yes, I think you mentioned how do you go from tater tots to carrots or something like that. It's education. Let's find out what those tater tots do to our system. Let's find out what carrots may do. How can we be better? You know, and sometimes, well, a lot of times when we, you know, get into that education piece and we learn more about things, there's a craving. There's a craving and a desire to learn more. So, again, I would think that the platforms that a lot of times are very useful are education and the policy part both on the local level of government and the higher echelons. So, Sydney, were you about to jump in? Go ahead, then I was gonna go over to Councilman Glaros. Yeah, I, I'd love to. I think Ella Rose made a, a really good point. You know, it's, it's education, and then it's making sure that people have access to eat, eat those items that they've just been educated on that, that are better, you know, carrots instead of your tater tots. Um, and the Food Equity Council, what I, what I like about our work is that we recognize that the food system and the problems in the food system are, are so complex, and we don't shy away from that. We have a very lofty goal. Uh, we say that we want every resident in every neighborhood in this county to have access to healthy, affordable, safe, culturally appropriate, and sustainably produced food, and that we want justice in every step from farm to fork and economic opportunity. Uh, it's difficult to see how to get there, but we've started to chip away at it. Um, so we have worked on things like, like farmer's markets like, that are so important to make sure that residents have access to healthy foods, especially when your neighborhood grocery stores either left town, which has happened several times in Prince George's County, um, or if the quality of the produce isn't quite where you'd like it to be, which also happens across our county. So we start to chip away at the policy changes there. Uh, we've looked at streamlining regulations for farmer's markets. Not sexy, but it's important uh, to make sure that they can operate successfully. We've secured funding for double-value coupon programs um, and also to support farmers markets being set up to get equipped for SNAP and EBT, which we hope will go to the markets this coming year. Um, so I, I think that you made a really good point earlier, Mark, when you said that food system change is complex, but I don't think that means that we should shy away from it. Absolutely not. So what about the county level? Okay, so first of all, um, I'm pretty honored to be involved with the Food Equity Council from the beginning, so that's been wonderful. And uh, I think was, I was one of the first early shareholders with Eco City Farms over in Edmonston. Uh, so this issue is pretty dear to my heart. It's pretty dear to the county's heart as well. I think most of you know that we have one of the highest rate of heart diseases in the, count, in the entire state, um, diabetes as well. Um, we've been really engaged on the council level on these policy changes. And I think sometimes policy changes are big and sometimes they're small. Um, sometimes they're simply getting some additional funding for uh, SNAP so we can operate that even better at our farmer's markets. Uh, we are right now working on an urban farms bill, um, which the Equity Council and all of its members have been incredibly involved in so that we can bring more farms like Eco City Farms closer to our residents. 
Um, oftentimes it's community garden partnerships that are happening throughout the county. Uh, and then also there's some really interesting programs starting to happen at our schools. And our schools, I think, as a mom with two kids in the school system here in Prince George's, uh, there's a lot of work ahead of us. Um, but one of the exciting uh, new nonprofits in our area is a nonprofit called Real School Gardens. And they're actually engaging with teachers and principals and students and community members in building local school gardens and using that to teach the kids um, everything from math and science to English in the garden. So every day they get a hands-on learning in the garden and they get to taste the food that they're growing. Uh, and so efforts like that can also really make a difference. So there's a lot of work going on. So it just launched over this last year. Uh, we, just, uh, we now have three schools that have the Real School Gardens program up and running. And we have several other schools that just applied for it. So if your elementary school or middle school hasn't yet applied and you want to be part of the Real School Gardens program, go to the website and uh, chime in. But right now it's operating at Mother Jones Elementary over in Langley Park. And it's operating um, in the Riverdale area at Beacon Heights Elementary and Templeton Elementary. And all three of those are Title I schools with a high amount of free and reduced lunch uh, kids. So this is really making a difference in a dent. So, so I, 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 this, this is a good time, but do you want to say something on market? Thank you. Then I'm going to go to, over here. Ed. I just wanted to remind us that not only did um, Michael Pollan say eat food, not too much, and mainly plants, but he also listed foods that are, in fact, plant foods that are highly subsidized and are the real demons in our diet. And those are corn, soy, wheat, rice, and he didn't say potatoes, but many people, for many people, it's French fries as well. And those, those five items are highly subsidized, which means that the government pushes them. It allows us to have those throughout our food system. I would like to know, when you say, how do we get people to eat carrots instead of whatever's, I think some of it is by subsidizing vegetables, healthy vegetables, non-GMO um, vegetables, and, um, and not monocrop vegetables like corn, soy, wheat, rice, and flour, and potatoes, and, um, and really try to rebuild a food system based on real food. I was thinking about what Margaret just said, and, and there's one piece I think many people may not know, which is the incentives that actually exist monetarily for the United States Department of Agriculture, like what you said is true completely, but the opportunities that exist for schools in places like Prince George's County that, that, that most at this point don't take advantage of. So uh, a little correction, I'm actually with the Department of Education. Oh, sorry, no, that's okay, that's okay. We work very closely with the Department of Agriculture, um, and one of my favorite parts of my job is the Farm to School program. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with what that might mean, it is three, uh, three pieces to the farm to school. Local food procurement, so getting local foods into our school lunch program, into our school breakfast program, and into all the child nutrition programs that the schools operate, which include after school, which include child care, which include the summer food service program. It also is in-classroom agriculture and nutrition education, as well as experiential learning, which can include school gardens, and that can include farm field trips, it can include coming in, a farmer coming in and explaining what his role is. So in Maryland, Farm to School actually started prior to the national program back in 2008 through state legislation, through the Jane Law and Farm to School Act. And what that act did was it created a statewide program that was a joint initiative between education and agriculture. And we started small. We started with one week in September where the school districts would buy local food. And we have grown, no pun intended, tremendously, right? So what we now know from the USDA Farm to School Census, this is the second round the census has been collecting data. In Maryland, we increased the amount of food spent on locally by 93%, which is the largest in the mid-Atlantic region. That is a huge number. It required a lot of collaboration, a lot of training. But as we always say, there will never be a day where we are not working to improve the quality of these meals. That day will never come. We will always be working to improve the quality of these meals. And it takes the work of all of us in this room collaboratively, right, nicely, 
working with the schools and the, and the uh, growers and the suppliers to move that needle forward. So um, I'm a dietitian, actually. Erin and I are both registered dietitians with backgrounds in public health. Um, and we really are focused on looking at the multi-level interventions that are needed to really create the changes that we need. Um, so it's not just the classic old individual kind of beat people up for making the wrong choices, but it's about creating the environments where the healthy choices are actually easier to make, that we're actually fostering those things being available, accessible, um, and the norm. I think that one of the people in the film actually said that. I want to see this being the norm. Um, and, and that's really what we're working towards. Um, Brian Wansink was on that film and talking about um, some of the modifications on the tray lines at buffets. Um, that's actually been branded, that technique, all the behavioral economics stuff. Um, it's been branded as smarter lunchrooms. Has anybody heard of that? Not so much? Okay, so it's kind of a, a new label. Um, we, in Maryland, we've actually been working on this initiative for... Uh, close to 10 years, uh, really closely with University of Maryland Extension. And we called it something a little bit differently, but it was about how to set up not only the order of things on your line, but the interactions with all of those students coming through the line about how to nudge them towards those healthier choices, how to make those choices easier and more kind of a default choice. So, and this is open to all of us. I'm going to raise some kind of serious questions here but for everybody to kind of wrestle with. But you want to say something? The question here, say who you are if you want to Hi, uh, my name's Christine Ketz. I work for Mom's Organic Market, actually. And um, I'm hearing a lot of talk about local, and I guess I just want to know what kind of emphasis is being put on organics. And is there a conversation about organics? Absolutely. We are, we are not just local. We are, um, we are certified locally grown, which actually has higher standards than organic. The difference between what we do and what is considered organic is that we do not have a federal government stamp of approval. We have the stamp of approval of other organic farmers around the world. And so um, sustainable farmers are trained to look out um, and, and examine one another. And if they feel that the food has been grown properly and organically and according to the highest standards, then they certify that farm certified organic, and then we become certifiers of other farms. But there is no question in my mind that it is not just locally grown. We have to really make sure that all the nutrients are in the soil and that we don't use chemicals, because that's the other thing that's killing us. So. And, and please come up and grab a mic and identify yourself. If you have something you want to say, come up here. But let me ask this question in the time that we have and just throw this out. When I ran a forum like this a couple of years ago about schools, and it was, it was done in, I think, Ocean City we did it in, uh, the statewide conference, one of the things that came out was that the school systems collectively in Maryland spend about a billion dollars a year on purchasing food. Somewhere in that neighborhood. I don't know what it is right now, the exact numbers. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of leverage. Every school system does it on their own. But school systems also have a hard time just buying piecemeal from farm to here to bring it here. That's a very difficult thing for schools to do. So it has to be kind of a larger thing. So I wonder what we're thinking about in terms of how that changes systemically in our schools. How do we begin to shift the ground uh, that allows school systems to buy not just from Cisco, um, not to just pick on them, but not just from Cisco, but, to, but from, from some kind of other place that kind of brings food together from around the state, from around the region, whether you think it's a 100-mile radius or 200-mile radius, we can argue that all day long, but without that means. So how does that happen? How do, we, how do you begin to leverage that? We were offered 18 cents or, or less for a, for a lettuce from the school system. 18 ahead. 18 cents a head. So given that, we can't afford to grow food for the school system. That, and I think that the other thing that has to happen is there has to be a change in, an, in how we value food. So that it can't just be that we grow for a school system and accept the pennies that they are offering us for food. We also have to say that food is our priority 
and we want to pay what it's worth. And, and you're absolutely right, Margaret. We need to value food, and the school systems don't have the money that we have as individuals to go to the food store and pay for the food. So that is absolutely a barrier that we as a society are not valuing. What has worked in some of our larger school districts with regard to buying from local, small, medium-sized minority farmers, what we call not just local purchasing but value purchasing, is they do partner with their produce distributor, whether that's Coastal or Keeney or whoever their big produce distributor is, and they, make this, the, they have formed the relationship between the farmer that they want to purchase from and their distributor. And so their distributor picks up from that small farmer the quantity that that farmer can supply and then handles the distribution. There is a charge associated with that, obviously, to the school system. But for when you're in Maryland and you're in county-based school systems and you have 200-plus schools and 100,000 children in your districts, you have to figure out the distribution and the transportation challenges, and it's a opportunity to come up with a new solution. It is not a barrier. So the food service directors are working constantly, constantly with people that have the trucks, that have the storage, that have the warehouses to work with the small and medium-sized farmers and get it at a price point that's fair to the farmer and affordable to the school, too. You're listening to a panel I moderated last week in Hyattsville, Maryland, that watched Michael Pollan's film In Defense of Food and used that as a way to discuss what's happening in Prince George's County with food justice, food education, and healthy eating. We'll take a short break, but stay with us. When we come back, we'll continue that conversation. Welcome back. This is Mark Steiner, and you're listening to The Mark Steiner Show and Soundbites right here on your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA, 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. Our Soundbites, of course, is our weekly look at food, farming, and our environment. In this hour, we're listening to a panel that I moderated last week at Busboys and Poets in Hyattsville. The group Fair Farms and Crossroads Community Food Network presented the film by Michael Pollan in defense of food. He's also the author of Omnivore's Dilemma a very famous book that set off a whirlwind of discussion in this country. They took that film to discuss what's happening in Prince George's County, specifically in the schools of Prince George's County, and how many schools are not participating in farm-to-school, how we change the dynamic and power dynamic of how people eat and what they eat in our schools, what children learn about agriculture, what children learn about food and health and our environment. Joining us to talk about the film and what's happening in Prince George's County were Betsy Nicholas, Executive Director of Fair Farms, Christy Balch, Executive Director of Crossroads Community Food Network, the Honorable Daniel Glaros of the Prince George's County Council, the Honorable Shani Warner of the Hyattsville City Council, Ella Rose Preston, Hyattsville Farms Market Manager in the City of Hyattsville, Sarah Booker, the Maryland State Department of Education, Office of School Nutrition, Margaret Morgan Hubbard of Echo City Farms, and Sydney Daigle of Prince George's County Food Equity Council. So, I mean, the, I mean, there's all kinds of levels to this thing. I mean, they're, they're, when you look around the state and see what, how many schools are participating in the farm-to-school program, let's say, right? And which is more than just, um, which is more than just buying food. It's everything from visiting farms to education to partnering with the farmers to building gardens and schools to educating kids. There are a lot of levels to this, but that, but that, that, that has to be changing the system slowly with the money that exists. So, I mean, how, I wonder just, how, you, how, how do you leverage that here? Well, um, so, so that's a, a hard question. I mean, one of the things that, that we found here in Hyattsville is, is that we have been changing the culture um, uh, about food, and it's through the community garden, uh, through programs that we have at our elementary schools where they're planting things. Um, I, Ella Rose didn't mention that Hyattsville is the only platinum level heel community in, in Maryland. And we, we just got that recognition at the Maryland Municipal Leadership Conference over uh, this past week. Um, but what we've really been doing is reaching out. We have roots and shoots groups in, in Hyattsville, and we've been doing a lot with, the, with you know, the children. There's, there's a very active uh, parents group in Hyattsville. And so we've been working with children um, uh, at least a couple of summers ago, I don't know if it's it's going on this summer, but a Roots and Shoots group had a community garden plot, and so you'd see the kids out there um, at the garden, 
But as far as like systematic, <laughs> systematic change, I mean, one of the things that I'm here to say is, is that as frustrated as you might be at what's going on in, in your state or in the country, whether it's you know, with food policy and people's attitudes, on the local level, there's, there's so much that just a small group of dedicated people can do. And then when you get those people elected to local office, then you find that you have a whole community that values this. Thank you. But, uh, good, the audience is ready to roll, so this is good. Let me go here, 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 and come back to the panel. Is that all right? Maybe. Hi, I'm Mary Ann Barry. I've actually snuck in from Howard County. So, <laughs> so, I'm, be- oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm very happy to hear what you're doing. I'm actually, my question is for Sarah, right? Um, I'm part of a local health uh, improvement coalition and the health department and the hospital and we just have a lot of health and food resources all together, all memberships, not always actively working, but they're there. So um, we're, I'm the healthy weight group and we're writing a letter to the school system basically asking can we support you at all with the wellness and your wellness champions because we have a feeling that even though that's part of the policy, it's not a priority. They have so many things going on. Education is their priority. So do you have any suggestions on how we can approach this as an outside group with a lot of resources? Can, you know, how do we get them to accept that or what would be the most useful? Yes, no, definitely. This is a a great segue. Actually, USDA is about to um, hand down an updated wellness policy set of regulations for school systems. Um, and that's going to ha- kind of foster in a lot more community engagement and uh, from a wider swath of people. Now, right now, every county has a wellness council or wellness committee. It kind of varies by the county what they call it. Um, and they're looking for ways to get more voices of people who are interested and motivated in supporting them. Um, and there's going to be a lot of new sets of rules. One is going to impact what food marketing can happen within the school setting, um, which is something that was mentioned in the film. And I think that they're looking for ways to bring in new ideas about how to really make that school a health-promoting environment. So they would love to have more willing volunteers and more supportive voices in the community. They would, um, and I can connect you with your representatives there. Yeah, so, of course, the, the district level is, is the committee. And, of course, we're, we're actually trying to, by 2020, have every school in Maryland have their own wellness team. That's an initiative by my boss who's, who leads our training section, and we're really trying to push for that. We're doing a lot of training for wellness champions. Um, right now we have a team nutrition grant that we developed a really strong training that teachers can earn professional development units for. Um, and we're hoping to launch that a little bit more available to other counties. So there's lots of ways to kind of build those teams at the very local level um, to try to foster this kind of collaboration. So you want to say something in response to this? It might be good if we could, if, if we could start just by taking the soda machines out of the schools. That might be a good place to start. Yeah, so this is actually back to the, the earlier farm-to-school question. Um, so I, I do think that there's some major things that are missing in, um, in our county, but it's not just the county. You know, this is a problem across the country. Um, to make farm-to-school and regular local uh, food procurement really viable. Um, so one problem is, you know, as, as Margaret mentioned earlier, um, there's not a lot of money for schools to buy, and I think, I think Aaron mentioned this as well. There's not a lot of money for school to buy local produce. They only have so much money to work with for every meal um, to spend on local produce, but there's ways to get around that. Um, you know, there's fabulous farm to school grants provided through the Farm Bill. That's an advocacy opportunity right there for all of y'all who really care about farm to school. Uh, make sure that's well funded through the Farm Bill at that uh, federal policy level. At the state level, many other states have also started programs that provide funding to school districts every time they make a local produce purchase. Um, um, I can certainly get back with a list of them, but uh, that's another policy option for Maryland. Um, And then at the local level, we just have some major infrastructure challenges. So say Margaret wanted to sell to local schools, uh, she and maybe 10 other farmers would be rolling up at the back of a school to drop off their produce regularly. It's a little bit disruptive whenever you have a really bustling kitchen, you're preparing meals. Uh, We need aggregation. We need distribution, we need processing for local produce, so the school lunch ladies aren't having to sit there and chop everything up and take hours to prep the meal. 
Uh, we need, you know, a food hub would be a wonderful solution for this. We have a great facility in Prince George's County in Cheltenham that's sitting underutilized. It's an old tobacco warehouse that would be fabulous to retrofit into a food hub and answer potentially a lot of these questions about how do we get that product from the farm to the schools in a usable form. And that takes money and initiative. Elder Brothers, did you want to jump it into does. all of this? And we'll go down the line and come over here. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak to the systematic change. I would say that we have to be that change. We are the change. And so that's how it starts in the system. And so whatever it is, for myself, for instance, doing seminars, workshops on the nutritional benefits of certain foods or diseases and how to treat or prevent them naturally with food or things like that, that's how you start. Um, sharing information with my colleagues and co-workers so that even when we make maybe not the great decisions we're still mindful so now things are in our mind and we're really thinking about the decisions we make as far as food what we eat and how we share that information with our friends and families you never know the seeds that you're planting so for me sharing with my colleagues at work them sharing with their families and their other circles it goes to the system, and I really think it starts with us. We have to be the change that we want to see. Margaret? Yeah, I, I also wanted to say that there's a number of different ways that you can um, work for change. One of the things we do every summer is have a summer youth program. We have, um, for six weeks, uh, about 22 youth come to our, from Bladensburg High School this year, come to our farm, they learn to do farm work. They're there for six hours a day, um, five days a week, six weeks. And they do farm work. They visit other farms and farmer's markets. Um, they are designing a youth garden in their community. They are um, working on nutrition education. And every day, they cook a healthy, healthy food, um, vegetarian food for themselves and others. And those youth end up being advocates for change in their schools. And I think it's important that we advocate for change, but it's far more important that young people say, we're not taking this food anymore. This is not good for us. You wanted to jump in and say who you are? Yes. Uh, Betsy Nicholas, I'm executive director of Waterkeepers Chesapeake and Fair Farms. And I would very much agree with what the panelists have just said about how we change the system that we're not dealing with a fair market system or a free system. We're dealing with a system that's stacked against us, that's um, really rigged against um, sustainability. And we have subsidies that are driving all of the policies in the wrong way. So for the school systems who want to do the right thing, it's more expensive for them to get healthy foods, because, not just because it costs more money for the healthy foods, but because our government is giving money to make it cheaper to get foods that are unhealthy. So we're gonna have to do a lot of work to change that. And it's not just gonna be in one area or one arena. I think the biggest way that we start that is really as a community. I don't think we just start it with changing regulations or policies or anything else, but the community moving forward and saying, this is what we want. This is what we want for our future. This is what we want for our communities, our health, our waterways, and our families. And that's where we start it off and move it forward. So I think conversations like this are so helpful and important. And then having the people from government who can take that and move that forward. So I, I'm really glad we're having this conversation and uh, that everyone is participating in this moving and forward. So how many have left? I want to see how many people I know over here you want to say something over there? Anybody else? Well, let me, let me walk, start walking this way. Um, I, and on the way here, let me stop and talk to the county councilman for a second and then come right over here. And the, the question, so I'm curious what, in these conversations and where this is going, what's the role the county can play in pushing these ideas and bringing them to a fruition in a larger sense? Great question, um, and I'll do a plug for a book I picked up, up on the way. So last November, our uh, planning department put together a whole study on Prince George's County food system. It was published in November, so you can find this online. Um, it is a blueprint of what we need to do to implement in the county. Our health department, Susan's here from the Prince George's health department is here. They're invested in it. 
The county council actually is supporting this hub uh, distribution center that Sydney was mentioning earlier. Uh, so we're actually pretty engaged in it. And frankly, part of it is because of all of you in the room and these wonderful ladies on the stage who have just been amazing advocates in coming to county council sessions and speaking up and partnering and collaborating and really pushing us to make some things happen. So um, I, I guess I stand here saying that my colleagues are actually pretty engaged in this conversation, and I feel like the county's pretty engaged in the conversation. But there is so much work ahead of us um, and so many things that we need to do because, as everyone said, this is a system. And the system has been working in our favor for quite a while. And so you don't change a system overnight. You keep plugging away at the system. Um, the one other thing that the county council does, and it's really unique in this county, is we sit as the Prince George's um, Board of Health. And so we actually have oversight review over health policy um, in the county. And so we've been engaged very actively in a lot of discussions over the years, whether that's our new regional medical hospital, whether that's in improving our local um, health system here in the county. Um, so we also engage on that level as well. Like you and get folks engaged who want to be in this and here first. Uh, I was just curious. She said we were the first uh, Prince George's County, I mean, I'm sorry, Hyattsville is the first platinum level. What does platinum level mean? <laughs> so I'm not precisely sure. I think it's a measure of the, the sheer number and breadth of the initiatives that we have. Uh, with respect to healthy eating and, and active living. So, um, I mean, I, I, I don't know act, the actual criteria. I just know that we're the first to have, to have achieved it. Do you know Ella Rose? Oh, good. Ella Rose? Yes. So the, the platinum level, it's, a, it's called the Hill Leaders Club within the Hill Initiative. And so there's, I guess, bronze, gold, silver, platinum. And so you get to each level depending on the number of policies, your resolution and policies that you put in place in your municipality. And so these are policies for your workforce and for your community. And so at the platinum level, you have put in place at least five policies, your resolution, and you have a way of evaluating and tracking those policies. Thank you, Ella Rose. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, I, I think I believe the initiative is, is the full name's Heal Cities and Towns, and it's run by the Institute for Public Health Innovation. If anyone is interested in finding out more and seeing if your city or town is participating, and someone back here wants to say something, I see two hands. I'll come back to both of you. Start here. Thanks, Mark. Uh, I'm Caroline Umana. I'm a food justice advocate. I've schlepped over from Baltimore City. <laughs> And I've gone to several of Mark's tapings, and we have a new incoming board of directors. And so I guess my main question is, how, what should we tell her? Our city is still hurting, still hurting from Freddie Gray. I run a school garden four blocks away from where Freddie was picked up. But for five years, I have kept this garden going. And by the grace of God, the riots did not destroy our little community garden. Our school is a charter school. I want to know whether these programs are actually available to charters. And I want to know how I can become a part of that wellness team. Because I've got people who want to do it. Even we had children who testified in keeping our school open. They wanted to shut us down in the most hurting part of the city. So, and I also made the mistake of all, uh, me and my husband just started another uh, school garden agreeing to do this because people knew what, what we had done in West Baltimore, in Baltimore County for my own son's school. <laughs> so it, it's a lot to take on, and I, I drove over here directly from work, but this is the only way we can do it is it's just keeping it going by volunteers. It's just, it's too important, and I thank Mark for giving us this forum because I've made so many relationships and coalitions through also through the, um, Baltimore Food and Faith, through faith organizations. But as a green mom, I don't know what else to do. It's very frustrating, but I'm, I'm still here and I'm still fighting. Thank you, thank you. So who would like to grab that question? I'm coming back. Who would like to grab that question? 
Hi, okay, so the, in terms of joining your wellness team, um, it varies a little bit from county to county, but usually the, um, there's a team from the central office and the food service director is almost always, I think pretty exclusively on that committee as well as the health education supervisor, um, usually the school nurse and several other administrators. Um, so I think in Baltimore City, I, I could probably connect you with the people that are on that team right now. Um, and I think your other question was about charter schools. So in Maryland, the way I understand it, all public charter schools are actually part of the public school system's meal programs. So they should have the same access to the school meals programs, breakfast, lunch, after school, um, as long as they've made those arrangements through the county. Um, so they should have equal access that way. Thank you. Let's go back here. Thank you. Hi, my name is Yolanda Hawthorne. I'm co-founder of Zenfo Bites, and we work closely with Eco City Farms. Shout out to Margaret and the crew. Um, there's enough older folks in this room to remember um, when, when there were kitchens in schools. Do you guys remember this? So we don't have to reinvent the wheel, the blueprints there. There's an uh, elementary school in D.C. called Stokes, and they have a full-fledged kitchen. Well, you should see what's on their menu, hummus and mommy. And it's because the kitchen is right there at the school. They don't order from Chartwells, which is like, to me, a step above prison food. It's, uh, you know, look how much money Chartwells make. Why can't we ship those dollars and give it to Equal City Farms? I mean, I think it was, I want to say the Carter administration, then Reagan came in, and then what happened to those kitchens in the schools, right? What happened to the cafeteria lady you would see serving you in trays? There was something called home economics, right, which taught you, like, my daughter doesn't get math in the uh, classroom, she gets math with me in the kitchen because a half a cup, a half a cup, you know, this is how I teach her, a quarter, a quarter, a quarter. Math is visual. Remember sewing, remember wood shop, all those great things? Those dollars are there, and we have the blueprint, and chopping, chopping is like therapeutic, you know what I mean? Kids need to chop, they do. So I figure, like, we can go back to that time, you know, when we appreciated food, and sort of kind of, you know, go back and, and bring it forward to 2016. It can be done. Check out Stokes Elementary School. I think Actually, it's a charter school. I've got good news for you. We've yeah. been doing culinary training for Maryland school food service workers for years. Awesome. So See, it's there you happening. Go. Yeah, it's happening. See? <laughs> My there boss is a chef by training, and we have done, I don't know if you realize that the last child nutrition reauthorization gave money to each state to implement the new meal patterns. In Maryland, we are the only state that committed to push the funds out to each of our counties. We push over half of those funds directly into training opportunities for the school nutrition employees. Most of that went through culinary trainings, and we've had great success there. And there is edamame and hummus on menus across Maryland as well. A lot of that depends on student acceptance, but we are trying. We are trying to increase exposure to those different and healthy vegetables that they might see at home through tasting opportunities. We have funded, I think there's something like over 500,000 students touched by that Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act funds with tastings of fruits and vegetables so that they can have exposure. I don't know if you know, but kids aren't the best risk takers on the line when they're purchasing their lunch. So if they've got to spend their lunch, um, they're not going to take a chance on something. They're going to go with the default. So we're trying to give those, it's outside of the lunch opportunity, free tasting, you try it, get exposed to those things. So don't worry, it's happening in Maryland. You might not see it directly all the time, but the kitchens are there. We updated knives, we updated cutting boards, we updated their knife skills. We are working on it, but it's slow. It's a little bit of a ripple effect. I think anybody who's worked in the change industry knows that that's how it goes. So speaking of slow, let me ask this question, go back to where we are in terms of Prince George's County. Is, is, um, so when you look at farm to table and you look at school systems around the state, they're at all different levels. I think Baltimore City's at 92%. Other places are at different places. There. And they, as we said, that farm to table is not just about the food. It's about education and exposure and going to farms and building gardens and the rest. So, but Prince George's County, um, when you look at the list of schools around the country, is near the bottom of the list in terms of utilizing farm to table. Farm to table? Farm to school. Thank you. I mean, thank you. Farm to school. So, so how do you change that? I mean, what kind of conversations do communities have to have to bring that to light to begin to kind of move that ahead? Because we're talking about schools... I mean, for your children here in Prince George's, do you want to say something about that? I basically 
you just need to be as proactive as McDonald's has been. <laughs> what, they, what they do is they grab your child when they're young, they give them toys that uh, they love to play with, and they provide a playground, and they connect to food. Do the same thing, you'll solve the problem. It's, wisdom is there. It's true. I actually prompted Sydney to sort of speak about this one. So one of the really interesting things going on with the Food Equity Council is it's a very active group of people. Um, and all of us, when we were, we actually had to apply to be members of the council. And as part of that application, we had to commit to giving our time. And so there's these really active committees. So actually, I'd love Sydney to talk about some of the steps they've been engaged in with our school system um, to have exactly this conversation about how we increase the rate of food to table. Right. So uh, we do have three very active work groups, as Danielle mentioned. They're all open to the public. Shameless plug. <laughs> so I hope you will consider joining. Um, one of them is Healthy Eating Nutrition Education. Uh, and that work group does look a lot at school meals as well as other federal food nutrition assistance benefits. Um, and one of the things that work group has done is looked at um, school meals really holistically. So how do we look at improving both the taste, um, you know, the procurement standards for school meals, as well as making sure that kids do have access to school meals, every child? Because as we all know, um, many children do not have enough food to eat. Many go home at night after school, and they don't have dinner. Um, so we wanted to ensure that while we're trying to make school meals the best that they can, all kids have access. So one of the things that we've done is worked at the state level on policies that reduce the barriers to um, schools joining on with a program called the Community Eligibility Provision. So this allows every child in a, in a school that elects it in a low-income community to get free school lunch and free school breakfast. Uh, so we thought this was a fabulous way to, to connect kids to school meals and, and maybe, then, um, maybe then you have a little bit more power to push for additional local procurement because then you have more money coming back to the school food service office uh, because all those meals are reimbursable so they get money from the federal government for every single child that eats lunch that's uh, on, a, on a free meal. I want to thank all of our guests you heard this past hour. Betsy Nicholas, Executive Director of Fair Farms. Christy Balch, Executive Director of Crossroads Community Food Network. The Honorable Daniel Glaros of the Prince George's County Council. The Honorable Shani Warner of the Hyattsville City Council. Ella Rose Preston, Hyattsville Farm Market Manager in the City of Hyattsville. Sarah Booker, Maryland State Department of Education's Office of School Nutrition. Margaret Morgan Hubbard of Echo City Farms. And Sydney Daigle of the Prince George's County Food Equity Council. And I especially want to thank Fair Farms and Crossroads Community Food Network for sponsoring this event and inviting us to help partake in this. And of course, Busboys and Poets for hosting the event. The Mark Steiner Show and Soundbites are productions of the Center for Emerging Media and made possible in part by the Town Creek Foundation. Our senior producers are Stephanie Mavronis and Mark Gunnery. Our producer is Amani Spence. Our engineer is Andre Melton. Interns are Morgan Barber and Calvin Perry. Theme music is by Wal Matthews of Clean Cuts. Send me your thoughts about today's program to talk at steinershow.org and to podcast Mark Steiner Show and share it with your friends. Visit us on the web at steinershow.org or listen to us via your favorite podcasting app. You can also learn more about Soundbites and listen to past episodes at soundbitesradio.org. For your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community, I'm Mark Steiner. Take care. <laughs>